Amen. Let's love him one more time. I feel his presence lingering here. I believe he wants to do something very special here today. Amen. Would you lift your hands and lift your voice and say, Lord, do a work in me today. God, have your way in this place this morning. God, do your work in this congregation, and we praise you for it. We thank you for what you're going to do. And everybody said in Jesus' name, I want to draw your attention before you're seated to one verse, a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24 and 25. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is, this is my body which is broken for you. This do to remember me in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had finished dining or supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye. This do ye. Everybody say that with me. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to title what I'm going to share with you today from this title. This do to remember. This do to remember. Somebody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Bible specifically tells us in the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord commanded his disciples on that Passover night as he took the bread and the fruit of the vine or the cup as the Bible calls it and he made this statement. He said, do this to remember. Do this to remember. Uh, it's not just to recall something. It's not just to recall something to your mind. It is more than that. It is remembering as a reenactment. In fact, if you study the psychology of memories, you uh, come to realize that memories are not in a tense. And what, that, what I mean is, is they're not past, present, or future. Memories reside in the present. Uh, we can think of things that happened uh, this past week. I'm getting uh, together a father of the bride segment of the wedding. I've never had to do that before. And so I'm walking down memory lane. I have to say to you that it's just as real today as it was 30 years ago. So, and there are things that uh, we don't necessarily have to be reminded, but when we begin to remember, uh, we, are, we are there, we are in the present, even though we are here now. When we start down memory lane, uh, in fact, they say that smells uh, generate remembrances, uh, music generates remembrances, places bring back memories. How many have memories here today? They are real. And it's not, uh, the Lord said through the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians, now we can read the accounts in the gospel, but today we're focusing on Paul's writings to the Corinthian church. And he says that the Lord said, do this, take this bread and take this cup. Do this to remember. There are things that we do to keep memories alive. There are customs we have at holidays or birthdays. Uh, we're reminded of uh, people that have gone on to be with the Lord. and There are things we do that keeps their memory alive. And the Lord said, do this to remember. This do to remember. Now, I want to say at the outset, the Bible is a forward-looking book. There is a lot behind us, but there is a lot more before us. We can't live our lives as a church or as an individual living for the Lord. We cannot live our lives looking behind us. No man puts his hand to the plow and looks back. He's unworthy if he 
tries to enter the kingdom and do a work for God if he keeps looking back. So we must be forward looking. Paul said that he has to forget those things which are behind. So the majority of the Bible is about going forward. But here in Corinthians, we find where the Lord says, do something so that you can look back for a moment. You should look back on something, not your failures, not your insecurities, uh, not precious, precious times or wonderful. But if you're going to look back, look back at something specific. Do this so that you can remember. You must never forget something. And do something so that you will not forget it. Somebody say amen. Here in this passage, we are compelled to remember it's an approved, if you want to say, backward look. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. The past explains how I got here, but the future is up to me. I've got decisions to make today. If I was to ask you to write a book about your life, I mean, where would you start? You'd probably start with your birth date. You'd probably start with your ancestry. You'd probably start with your first day at school. You'd probably tell us of memories that you have that made you who you are. The past is relevant only in that it made you the person you are right now. I can't change any of that, but I will say the Lord gives us an approval of for just a moment looking back to remember something. Somebody say amen. Now many families in this church in the last week or so have used this phrase in the past few days, back to school. Really, you're just going to a new grade, hopefully to go forward. You're not really hopefully going back, only that you've been out for the summer. In one sense, the word back has a lot of bad connotations. There's backbiting, backache, backseat driving, backsliding. In every human enterprise, there comes a point when some may counsel you, you know, it's not worth it, let's go back. I think one beautiful worship song we sang, I believe the second song, uh, I'm not turning back now. What, what, a, what a, an epitaph for this, this message today. I'm, I'm not turning back. I'm not going back. I'm, I've made up my mind. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord. Amen. In Genesis, in the book of Genesis, a look back by Lot's wife was a deadly look. In Numbers 14, the children of Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. They made proposals for demanding Moses and Aaron, and they even elected captains of their retreat. The nation was on the edge of the promised land, but it was going to be difficult, so they decided the easy path was to go back. It's always easiest just to slide back. They had a majority report of scouts in their hands. Grasshoppers, we, giants, they. That was the report. It's going to be tough. But I want to tell you, the Lord will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. I'm not going back now. I said I've come too far. Now the Lord does say, do this to remember. But we're not going back. We're not ever backsliding. We're not ever going back on the truth. I've come too far. Oh, somebody clap your hands under the Lord. Egypt. Egypt was cruel to them, but it was the known. It was the safe. See, it's, it's, it's easier to accept what's known than to venture into the unknown. 
And yes, we were slaves. And yes, we made bricks day and night. But at least we knew what our day was going to be filled with. And they wanted to go back, back to slavery, back to bondage, back to mediocrity, back to suffering, back to afflictions. Well, I like what it says about Moses. I'd rather suffer with the people of God than endure the pleasure of sin that is only seasonal. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than be in a comfortable house in Egypt. I'd rather be in misery in the kingdom than be in pleasure in sin. Oh, come on, I'm preaching to people that your life is not perfect. Your life is full of problems, but I've come to tell you, I can't go back. Can't go back. John 6. Oh, isn't this amazing? Just think about this word. Just think about this verse. John 6, verse 66. That ought to indelibly print this one in your brain. John 6, 66. And guess what it is? Jesus began to explain how much discipleship was going to cost people. And John 6, 66 says, when he said, here's the price. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more. There's a 666 for you. It's called self-centeredness. It's called I'm more important because I don't want to sacrifice. At that juncture, Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, will you leave me also? I got a question to ask you today. What are we going back to? Come on, you've come too far. I've come way too far. I don't have anything to go back to. What, back to misery? Back to sleepless nights? Back to worry? Back to sin? Oh no, I've come too far to ever want to go back. Oh, come on, clap your hands under the Lord right now. Come on, somebody praise him right now. So... If we're talking about looking back, we're talking about remembering. If in remembering, we mean going back to the world, going back to sin. If remembering, we're talking about back on our commitments. The answer is emphatically no. The die is cast. I've decided to follow Jesus. That, that old song says, though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm not turning back now. We've decided to go ahead in fulfillment. We've decided to go ahead in commitment. We are committed to Jesus Christ and cannot go back. We have nothing to go back to. So Jesus Christ beckons us to go forward. I thank God for what happened here last Sunday. I will say, uh, I, I'll just say this. There was, somebody said, well, Brother Gene, don't you want to be here if we're going to take an offering for the building fund? And don't you want to be here? Let's just wait. And I said, oh, no, you can pay bills while I'm gone. Don't wait till I get back to pay off the mortgage. You can take an offering while I'm gone. In fact, if Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, and you guys feel like taking up an offering for the church, you just take it up. I don't even need to be there to pray over it. Just drop it by the church office. Brother Gene, don't you want to be? Oh, no, go ahead and take that offering. But I tell you what you do. You go in, Do you want me to? I said, Teresa, you go in that office when the offering's over, and you count that offering. And so I get a phone call. I'm sitting in Florida. I get a phone call about 10 after 11. I knew what it was. And she's all excited and my family gets excited and we all get, I want to tell you, God has been so good to this people. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In spite of every difficulty and every problem, I want to tell you, God has been good to this people. I've come too far to turn back now. I want to tell you, church, Jesus is beckoning us onward. The cross before us, the world behind us. We're not turning back now. Come on, anybody made up your mind to go forward? Oh, give Jesus a hand clap of praise today.
Thank you, Lord. It's exciting times to be a part of this church. Thank God for being debt free. I want to tell you my faith. I believe in short order God's going to give us a miracle. I believe 2020 is going to be a year we see clearly what we've been praying about for years. I began to think last Sunday, pardon me, I'm not in my notes for those of you on the computer, but I began to think about those who's gone on to be with the Lord. I could see their faces when I got that phone call that we're debt free and we're moving forward. I could, I could hear their joy. They love this church. They've given to this church. I want to tell you we are blessed people. But I want to tell you right now, we are standing on the shoulders of spiritual giants. We would not be here without great sacrifice, without people who gave to preaching the gospel in this community. And I thank God for every one of them. Amen. I'm not going back. I've come too far. There's a testimony in this community that God is faithful, that God is good. Oh, somebody rejoice with me for a minute. Come on, somebody rejoice with me for a minute. Oh, come on, let's praise God right now. Lord, you've been good. So, I thank God for the future God has for us. It's just around the corner. Thank God, no more sojourning, no more white chairs. Thank God. So I thank God for what we see forward, but today I want to pause and do something to remember. I just want to stop because this is an approved moment. The Lord doesn't want me doing this in any other way. He doesn't want me looking back at my past. He doesn't want me looking back at yesteryear. He doesn't want me to judge what's going on now uh, in relation to time yesterday. He doesn't want me to think about yesterday. The Bible talks about it's foolish to say yesterday was better than this day. This, this is not approved for us to do. He wants me to keep my eyes on him. But in this way, we have an approved Look backwards. We have, he says, do this. Drink this cup and eat this bread to remember. I want you to forget your past. I want you to forget what I've done in the past because I don't want it to be a parenthesis for what I can do now. I'm the same God yesterday. Come on. Today and forever. Yesterday is not the greatest days of the gospel being preached in Salem. Right now is the great time to invest in the kingdom. So I don't want to look back in any other way, but I want to pause today and do something. Raise a glass. Raise a glass in memory of something. To remember, not, not when the church started, not, not the Brush Arbor meeting out there by the cemetery, not, not when I got the Holy Ghost, not all the stuff he brought. No, no, I, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I, I thank God for all that, but like waters from the well of Bethlehem, I, I pour all that out before the Lord. <laughs> you deserve the glory. Oh, yes, what you've done, oh, you deserve the glory. I'm just going to pour it out before you, Lord. Oh, if I could go back. No, no. The only approved back is do this to remember. And the memory is tied to verse 25. This do ye. A child of God cannot, cannot and should not come to a day where we receive the Lord's Supper or communion. A child of God should not hesitate, back up, worry. 
when, that, when those servers come through here in just a few minutes, we should dive our hands in that bag and say, I'm doing this to remember. He didn't say, do this to be saved. No, he said, do this to remember what saved you. The shed blood and the broken body are pictures of a victory that Jesus won for me. At this table, he says, do this to remember. So, let me share with you just a few. I know I've got my, I'm trying to be a good steward of my time. I got my little time clock going. I preach 20 minutes and 33 seconds. I know it just seems like five minutes, but it's been 20 minutes. Some of you are sleeping. You think it's been like you've hit your snooze. Man, that nine minutes was forever. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about a few looks. Let's talk about a look back. Do this to look back. This do to look back. Somebody died for me. Somebody gave his life that I could be here today. He was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah said, bruised for our iniquities. He fought my battles. He fought our battles against addiction, against lust and greed and embezzlement, hatred and backbiting and variance and drugs and revenge and profanity. He fought our battles. He was wounded in that battle and the Bible says he still has the scars from the battle that he fought for me. The writer says he bore our sins in his body on that tree do this to remember. I don't want to ever get so high and mighty that when the cup passes, I say, no, I'd rather not know. I want to do this so I never forget. Never forget. See, we can get high and mighty when we're, we don't look back at what Jesus has done for us. Do this. To look back. When you lift the cup and partake of the bread, you are saying, Thank you, Lord, for taking my place. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost up here. Thank you for taking my place, bearing my sin in your own body. To go forward, I need to think back today. Humility is assured there. I remember what Jesus did to save me. Humility is assured there. I can't walk through Walmart proud and arrogant and thinking I'm better than everybody else because I've been to Calvary. Holiness is assured there. I know how prone I am to stumble and fall if the Lord was not my help. Love abounds there. If Jesus loves me, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm thankful for what he did on that cross that day. The power of the gospel is found there because Jesus paid the penalty of the sins of all men. That means I can be his child. Somebody say amen. Amen. This do not only to look back, but this do to look inside. This do to look inside. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. It's amazing. We're going to read a number of these verses, but look at this. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That's a very serious charge. The apostle says, but let a man examine himself. Somebody say amen. 
What questions should you put to yourself? I believe there are two. There are probably many more, but I want to focus on two today. What questions should you ask yourself? I think the first one is, am I really trusting only in Jesus Christ for my salvation? Or am I trusting in anything else? Do I think I'm saved because I go to church? Or am I trusting in Jesus Christ alone? Am I saved because of what I wear or what I look like? Or am I saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? I am saved by grace through faith and that not of myself. It is the gift of God. Now, there are a lot of things that happen because I'm saved, but I'm not saved by what I do. Oh, I wish I had a hearty amen in this church because we are in danger of times of trusting things that cannot save us. Jesus saves. I don't save. Your clothes don't save. Oh, your church attendance doesn't save you. Jesus, Jesus saves. I wish I could save people. I'd save everybody, but I can't save anybody. Am I, I need to ask myself, am I trusting in Jesus only? And then the second thing, am I seeking to live obedient? And let me say this hurriedly. The purpose of the inward thought, look back at Calvary, look what he's done for you. And then, It says, let a man examine it. The reason we look in is not to keep us from this. No, it's to bring us to this. Listen, everybody reads that verse. Look at it. It's it's going to be on the screen. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself. Everybody say examine himself. We use that in a negative term, but it's not in a negative term. Read it. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat. It's positive. Look at yourself so that you can eat. See, we think, oh, oh my God, I'm not sure. Wait a minute, I had a thought yesterday. I, well, wait a minute now, I, I put that on Facebook. Well, I don't know. No, let a man examine himself so that he can eat and he can drink. It does not say examine yourself to stay away. It says examine yourself so that you may eat. There's not one in this room that doesn't have a failure or defeat in your life. I got good news for you. Bring all your failure and defeat to the table. Jesus Christ will share with you his victory if you'll share with him all your defeats. Oh, somebody lift your hands and praise him right now for all that he's done for you. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, let's worship him. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I hurry, I hurry, I hurry. And as I'm just gonna, let, bear with me. I know this is not appropriate uh, in, in some cases, but I happen to pass through this wonderful group of people. So bear with me as I share with you now what I'm going to examine myself as I look within myself. I want to say I'm, I'm more committed than ever to preach the Word and to stay in the Word. I want to anchor what we are as a church to the Word of God, not fashion, not the culture, not what everybody else is doing, not the freewheeling teachers of this culture and society. There'll be more questions in the next generation. There's something that's real and true and never changing, and it's the Word of God. It is settled in heaven. I've settled it here. New truths are going to come. Somebody's going to write another book and make everybody freak out about, well, maybe the Bible's not to write all the books you want to write. I'm standing on the good book. Oh, yes, I said I'm standing on the Word. You got an argument with it? Then take it up with God. He wrote it. 
A lot of people are getting skaty on skating on thin ice. Theologically, church history flashes warning signs for us about being extremists. I need to stay in the word. This world's been overcome with lukewarm Christianity. Uh-uh. I'm not going to let that happen. And I don't want it to happen in my life. I don't want it to happen in this church. Well, Brother Gene, let's just have a comfortable little church and have a little service and, you know, do it. No, that's lukewarmness. And the Lord spews that out of his mouth. I want us on fire. I'll go one step beyond that. I, I do need the word. And I need it in this way, not to rest content on what I know. Listen, it's going to hit some of you. It's okay. Don't curl your toes up. Not to rest on what I know, but to be awed by the great amount I do not know. <laughs> I, I'm preaching to people that you got one God in Jesus' name, baptism, and filling the Holy Ghost, and you just think, man, you, you just know it all. Well, the more I dive into the Word, I come to find out how much I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not just going to stand on a couple of little beliefs and say, look at here what I got. No, I thank God for that. But the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. God's got more for us. And it's in his word. I said, God's got more for us. Paul said it, you know, yeah, it's good. You've laid a foundation, yeah. But, but you know what? Let's quit laying the foundation. Let's, we don't have to, we sh, at some point, we shouldn't have to say to people, okay, it's time to repent. He said, you've already laid that stuff. Go on to perfection. Pentecostals, if we're, we, we run this great danger that we, we nail a few doctrines down and we say, well, bless God, that's it. Some of you don't even know what else to believe. Get in the Word. It may shock you what Jesus wants to show you. What? You think there's a website I can go on? I know some of you, there's been people this past week said, Pastor, that message about thorns. That was such a blessing. Well, you know where that came from? There's a cool website. I slept all week. Went fishing. Played golf. And then went to a website about five Sunday morning and found that message, just kind of threw it out here for you. You know where it came from? Came from the Bible. Same Bible you got. The same Bible you have. The same Holy Ghost I have that showed me that can show you that. God forbid that the only Sunday you get enlightened is when somebody's preaching. You've been fed enough. You've gotten fat on the word. It's time to do something with what you've got. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord. I'm hurrying. 32 minutes. 32 minutes. I don't know who took all my time, but 32 minutes. As I look within, I want to say personally, I'm going to stay committed to the word, stay committed to prayer. These are precious times. They change your life when you spend time with God every day. Do you remember when Paul was in prison? Remember when Paul was in prison? He went through remote lands, crossed ice cold mountains, had fever haunted, uh, sick, had sickness, had, had difficulties. He'd been a torchbearer for the kingdom. It looks like his work is over. He is imprisoned. But even in that prison, the work of Jesus Christ was going on. Listen, I want to tell you, I can fall over here in five minutes and they rush me to the hospital. This church is going forward. This church is not built on personalities on this earth. It's built on Jesus Christ. And look what Paul writes. He writes to the Philippian church. He said while he was in prison, he writes what was going on. And this is afterwards, but he's writing about being in prison. Philippians 1.19, for I know that this, he says, I'm in prison. I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. Look at that. Folks, when you can only pray, don't think that nothing is happening because you can only pray. Paul says, because you prayed, God kept moving in my circumstance. 
No, I'm not, I'm not able to go step in the Oval, the Oval Office and lay hands on the president, but something happens when I kneel in my office and begin to pray. I can't go talk to Netanyahu, but I can get in my office and I can pray. And the, Paul says something happens when you pray. So church, if Paul said, well, I was in prison and I couldn't work for God, you were praying and God kept moving, then you know what? We ought to keep praying. We ought to pray more than we've ever prayed. Some of you say, well, Brother Gene, I, I love, you know, I'd love to hear you preach. You just bless me. Well, I want to tell you, you're standing with me. I don't have the resources to do what I'm trying to do today, but because of the prayers of God's people, there's power in the preached word of God. Prayers and appointed means by which the power of God comes. Prayer, everybody say pray. You know what else? I'm committed. This is why family month's so important. I think we ought to be convicted to deeper and more personal relationships with our families. That's why this month is so important. Somebody say amen. Have you ever heard of the Shakers? Who hasn't heard of the Shakers? Raise your hand. Huh. Hardly anybody remembers them. They were a religious movement that flourished in the 19th century in America. You know why they were called Shakers? Because they all shook. That's right. They were shakers. They were also Quakers. Guess what they did? Yeah. They built large communities in the eastern portion of our nation. The members displayed what's called fervent worship and a zealous commitment. Their worship was ecstatic. You, uh, worship all you want. Go to Youth Congress and 40,000 kids run, jump, shout, do all you want to do. And you ought to. And you ought to. Please don't say one or the other. Let's, let's both and. But don't think because you quake a little bit. Their worship was ecstatic. Guess what? Today, there are no shakers. No religious movement called the shakers. You know why? They believed in exuberant worship. But they also... <laughs> They also believed in a very peculiar theology. They believed and practiced celibacy. You know what that means? No marriage, no children. Guess what? They had no second generation of shakers. No, none. They danced, they loved God, but guess what? It died because they had no children. This church too will die if we have no children. I'm not talking about these up here in the front that don't think they're children. I'm talking about also spiritual children. This church dies when we say, well, we got a comfortable group. We got enough. The bills are paid. No, we die <laughs> when we start practicing spiritual celibacy. Oh, you're not hearing me. But I want to tell you, people ought to be getting baptized. I thank God for it. I thank God a week from Wednesday, somebody got the Holy Ghost. Last Sunday, oh, pastor, we're going to wait till you get back. No, baptize them. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. No children, no future. Oh, give the Lord praise. I hurry. Sister Sir, not only this do to look inside, this do to look up. This do to look up. There's an interesting fact tucked away in these verses that we read today, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. Look at this. This is Paul. Everybody say Paul. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Here's my question. How did Paul receive a message from Jesus Christ personally if Jesus Christ 
was dead, buried, resurrected, and in heaven before Paul ever became Paul. He said it, I received of the Lord. I got this from the Lord. You see that? I got this from the Lord. Thank God that Jesus is alive and well. And He wants to show me something. Yeah, I should look back at the cross. I should look inward to examine that I may eat. But I should also look up to believe that an anointing of His Spirit still flows. That He still wants to speak to His people. That He still wants to guide His children. I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to look it up. There's a place in Georgia called Providence Springs. Don't look it up now. Don't look it up now. You've got attention deficit disorder and you cannot focus on, just focus on what I'm saying. Later, look up Providence Springs. It's amazing. It's in a little area, just in a little field. But in the 1860s, it was a place that they've written about in history called Andersonville. Now that may ring a bell because if you know anything about the history of our nation in the 1860s, our nation was in great conflict, civil war, south against the north. And in Andersonville, Georgia, in, in Georgia, there was a prison that they called Andersonville where Union soldiers were kept. The horrors that went on in this encampment uh, from prisoners that were there. There were bands of prisoners, gang uh, uh, prisoners that bound together as a gang and uh, the, what happened in that prison is atrocious. They wouldn't give the prisoners fresh water. They had to drink whatever water they could find. And in the summer in Georgia in 1864, there was a tremendous drought and no rain and prisoners were dying and, and when you're thirsty and there's nothing else to do. They begin to cry out to God. History says the prisoners begin to pray. And one night, in the middle of the night, a thunderstorm came through Andersonville, Georgia. And history records there was a bolt of lightning that struck inside that prison yard. Hit a rocky area, bolt of lightning hit a granite area, a place where there was granite stone. And they said immediately when that lightning hit that granite, all of a sudden a spring of water burst forth and started running down through the camp. You can go online, you can Google it. It's still running today. You can go to the spot and that spring is still springing. I'll tell you what, God has living water for you. You have to be dry, thirsty. He's got special word. For Paul said, I received of the Lord that which I shared. I believe God wants to speak to us. So we look up. We look up to say, speak, Lord. Somebody say amen. Not only do we do this to look up, we do this. This do to look forward. Yeah, I've been looking back. I've been looking in. I've been looking up. Now, he says, do this to look forward. Look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as oft as you eat it, this bread, as oft as you drink it, this cup, look, you do show the Lord's death. Look at these last three words. Till he comes. It does not say if he come. It says till he come. Praise God. I want to tell you the ungodly have no future, but the church has a future. <laughs> I take this cup because I'm looking for his return. The wicked, the Bible says, are like traff, chaff. They are driven away. They live recklessly. They are driven recklessly. But the Bible tells me that Jesus is coming back. I have a hope. I've got a trust in him. And he's soon. Oh. Yes. 
false Christ will arise, nations will war against nations, disasters will come, and people's love will wax cold. There will be false believers, false teachers, but today the book still says Jesus is coming again. This week, I'm one week closer. This day, I'm one day closer. I raise a glass to Jesus coming back. That's what I do this to remember. Oh, somebody give Jesus praise. I eat this bread because I know I'm gonna see him face to face. Till he come, till he come, until he comes. Having not seen you love. Yeah, when I eat this bread today, I eat it in faith. Because I know one day I'm going to see him. Yeah, look up. Your redemption draws now. Look forward, Jesus is coming back. Last but not least, this do, this do to look outside. Yeah, I should look in, look back at Calvary, what he did for me. I should look in to examine myself that I may eat. I should look up because Jesus wants a personal communion with me. He wants to show me things. Yeah, and I need to look forward because he's coming back for me. But last, look at this, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. For this reason, my brethren, wherefore, and when there's a wherefore, find out why there's a wherefore. Just like there's a therefore. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, Read it for yourself. Tarry one for another. Everything up to this point has been about what he's done for me, how it's affected me, how he's going to talk to me, and how he's coming back for me. But the final paragraph is, when you eat, it's not just about you. So when the server comes by and passes the little basket, you think, well, should I, me, me, my, what I, God's done for me, my, me. No, now at some point you got to get to, you know what? I'm a part of a great body. It's not just about me. It's about my brother, my sister. Oh, now there's a message for you. Wherefore, when you come together to eat, tarry, tarry one for another. That word, you know what that word means? It means wait. Wait on one another. Shayla was a waitress. Shayla was a waitress. Cheyenne's a waitress. What do you do when you wait on somebody? I don't know. What does wait mean? Hey, you know what it means. Just, just wait on them. Take care of them. Serve them. Not about me. Oh, oh, you want hot sauce on your eggs? I hate hot sauce. I ain't getting you hot sauce. No, it's not about you. Well, I like this song. It's not about you. I hate that song. It's not about you. When you eat this, wait. Serve somebody else. Wow, wait on somebody. What I thought about doing today, I thought about all of us taking our cup and our bread and each one of us serving somebody. Okay, I'm going to take mine. I'm, now I know you already got one, but I'm going to give you mine. You go give yours to somebody else. Boy, that'd be mass confusion, wouldn't it? I'd probably end up with pocketfuls of communion. I didn't know how logistically that could work. 
But you know what? In a church this size, there's always opportunities for us to get crossways with somebody, fight with somebody. Somebody put something on social media and they're ignorant and don't know any better. And somebody shared their opinion and somebody said this. And somebody didn't do this and didn't say that. There's always chances for us to forget we're part of a great body. And we're going to heaven together. <laughs> Wait. But you don't know what they did to me. It's not about you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them what preacher's trying to say is it's not about you. Turn to them. It's not about you. In fact, this, this supper we're about to partake of is called communion. Communion entails fellowship. I'll tell you, there are a lot of saved people. I run into people from this assembly all over the place. You can't go eat, can't go shop, can't go golf without running into somebody from this church. I thank God for that. I pray for more of us. I pray we just take over. It's a great family. I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And at this table, as you know, Christ does not approve of empty seats at his table. He says everybody is welcome at the table. He told the, the man to go invite the guest. And when he came back and said, Lord, nobody's come. He said, you go invite others so that my house may be filled. You see, I have no special claim today. There's no rank or position or place at this table. There's no room for me to feel superior to somebody else. The church of Jesus Christ should be the one place in the whole world where the powerful and the powerless come together, stripped of everything the world designates as superior or insuperior or unsuperior or whatever the word may be. None of the things of this world and what the world considers is who's up and who's down. At the cross, the ground is level. We are all saved by the blood. That means that we need to treat each other with respect. Listen, I'm going to say something to you. I want to say something to you right now. If you think for a minute, I would never do that to my spouse or my kids, but you're doing it to one of the people in this church, you've sinned. Oh, well, wait a minute, that's my family. No, there's, there's a big family in this room. And if you wouldn't treat your kids that way, don't treat somebody else's kids that way. I was talking to Shayla this morning. You know what the verse says? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Not what they've done to you. Well, he, he, they said that to my kid. I'm going to go tell their kid. That's not what the verse says. It says do what you would have them do. Oh, yeah. There you go. I'd never say that to somebody I love. Well, think about the saint on the end of the pew down there. That's what I'm talking about. And I want to tell you, when we start treating each other like brothers and sisters, when you're as gracious to somebody else's kids as you have been to yours, oh, it's quiet. I'm right on it. I am right on it. And, and let me say this. Let me play the devil's advocate. If you go home and talk to your wife like a dog or your husband like a dog, and you come here and smile at everybody and treat everybody with grace, that's just as bad. Let me flip that. Let me kick this can over. If you, oh my Lord. You're a tyrant at your house and your kids are afraid of you. And you come here, oh, praise, I love everybody. No, no, you're a liar. You, oh, Brother Gene, you can't call me that. No, I didn't. The Bible said that. I'm quoting the word. Am I okay? Thank you, Brother David. I'm getting some waves from some, Supporters today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I sure love you. You know why you love them? Because you sit by them every Sunday. I'm, I'm saved by the blood. I'm not better than anybody else, my Lord. But on the other hand, there's no room for me to feel inferior either. I shouldn't feel unworthy. I'm saved by the same blood that you're saved by. 
I took the blood of Jesus. It took the blood of Jesus to save me just like it did you. It takes the same blood to save the rich as it does the poor. God is no respecter of persons. Somebody say amen. So this, this table is reserved for sinners saved by the grace of God. The church is for people. Do people need the message of the gospel? Our society has contracted a sickness. It's a fever. It's called self-centeredness. And this society's being dehumanized and we're destroying relationships while we think we've got hundreds of friends. While we must have compassion, may I suggest that we really need is, what we really need is a divine intervention and redemptive prevention. Yep, that means I'm not better than anybody else and I'm not worse than anybody else. I am who I am by the blood of Jesus Christ. The church is not buildings, although we need buildings. The church is not programs or policies. The church of Jesus Christ is people, and I thank God for them. I'm glad for the family of the redeemed. In fact, I want to see more people in the family, don't you? And they're not going to be perfect either, and they're probably going to say something goofy too. Look at this, Ephesians 1.18. My Lord, I preached 55 minutes. I'm sorry. Where'd the time go? Ephesians 1.18. When I read this verse, God revealed things to me in this verse. It's been one of my favorites ever since. The eyes, Paul said, I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Why do, what do I want you to know? I want you to, your eyes to be open to something that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Look at this. That's important. And what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. I want you, your eyes to be open as to how wonderful and powerful and beautiful the saints are. <laughs> no, not perfect, but we're saints. <laughs> A new sanctuary? Yes. Why? People, that's why. Yes, because I'm not content with what God has done and we've got to have room for what he wants to do because we want to be, we don't want to be stagnant. Why? Because as long as there is one unsaved person in this city, there is a table that they're welcome at. That's why. You know why else? You know what you do when your barn gets full? I know what you think. First thing you just thought, have a yard sale. No, uh-uh, no. That rich man, what do you do? My barn's full, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna build a bigger one. And I know you can do it for the wrong reason. That's what the rich man did, he did it for the wrong reason. But I wanna tell you, we shouldn't leave this property and go to a smaller building. No, uh-uh. In fact, the church should be getting bigger and bigger. Why? Because God wants to fill his house. And what do you do when your house is full? You build a bigger one. I'm talking about spiritual things. Now, wives, don't go home and tell your husband. Pastor said when your house gets full, we build a bigger one. I'm not talking about natural things. I'm talking about spiritual things. Everybody say amen. This do to remember. So I'm calling this church, this body of great people that I pastor, I'm calling you back to remember what God's done for you, how wonderful he's been. This is a time to remember. And as I examine myself, I pray the Holy Ghost will cause you to realize I need him every day. I need him. I need his presence. I need his life. I need His Spirit. Would you stand right now? Just reach up and begin to pray. God, help me as we enter into this time, Lord, to look, to look back, to look back at Calvary, to look back at what you've done, Lord, to look inside my own heart, to look up at what you want to share with me. Oh, Lord, to look forward to the, that day that you're coming back for me. And, Lord, to look outward at everybody that I'm privileged to be saved with, every child of God. I want to tell you right now, there's nothing like the family of God. And, the, and Paul said, when you, when you eat this and drink this, wait on one another. 
Think about the other. Think about how you affect the other person. Think about how your response in an altar call affects somebody else. Think about how your negativity affects somebody else. Think about what you say. How to, before you type that on your Facebook page, think about how somebody's going to receive it. Wait on somebody. Well, I thought it, so I just, no, no, no. Let the Holy Ghost help you understand. I, I need to wait on somebody else. I, I need to think about somebody else. Somebody say amen. It's very, very, very important. And so as a body of believers, I think it's important that this cup today is shared by the saints of God, the table of the Lord. And I believe God wants to have his way here. Somebody say amen. So I want us to pray one more time. Our servers are getting ready to serve. Brother Blake is coordinating all that. They're going to they're bring out the... the the bread and the fruit of the vine today. And we're going to receive communion at the beginning of family month. But before we do, I think we need to seek the Lord. And in your own way, I just want you to say, God, if there be any, look in me and see if there be any evil way. God, help me to be what you want me to be. You call me out of darkness in the marvelous light. Come on right now. Let's examine ourselves so that we may with joy reach into that basket and say, Lord, I'm going to partake of the bread. I'm going to partake of the fruit of the vine today. I'm going to drink the cup. I'm going to eat the bread because of what you've done in my life. Come on, if you want to step out and make your way to the altar, come on right now. Let's, just, let's do this. This is okay. Make your way to the altar, the front of this church, and say, I just, I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom. I'm glad to be a part of the family of God. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm thankful for what I have in the kingdom. Come on, right now, let's pray. Jesus, have your way right now. Oh God, search us. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into marvelous light. Thank you for bringing us by your grace to where we are today. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice up. Don't be afraid. He's our Father. You're standing with your friends, your, your family in the Lord. Don't be afraid to say, Lord, here I am. Lord, I want to serve you. I'm thankful for what you've done in my family, God. I'm thankful for what you've done in the church of the living God. I worship you today.